So uh, see Dylan after service. We're going to still show a video tonight probably. We'll get that to work. Amen. But uh, sometimes the stuff just doesn't want to cooperate. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm glad you're here this morning. Like Pastor Andrew say, you make a difference. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's stand to your feet real quick. We're going to pray for something specific that was brought to my attention. You know, we've got churches all around the world. Amen. And uh, we have this morning many Kenyans with us here, amen, from the country of Kenya. And uh, we're going to lift up that country. You know, we have five churches just in the city of Nairobi, which is the capital. And tomorrow, uh, tonight at 9 o'clock, will be tomorrow in Kenya, and they'll be having their elections. And uh, last time they had their elections, it was very violent. Um, it was very, matter of fact, Pastor Paul and Emily were there, and it was very scary at that time. A lot of uprising happens uh, in these African countries, especially when it goes to turn power over. So let's, let's just uh, join hands with the person next to you. And let's, you know, you, you may not know anything about Kenya, but it's God's people, amen. And like I said, we've got some special people here this morning from Kenya. And uh, Judy's faithful every Sunday, and then they're visiting and be going back soon to their country. But uh, we have churches. Let's lift up Pastor Safari this morning, amen, and his wife and those pastors in the city of Nairobi and outside that God would have his will this morning, amen. How many know we can make a difference right now? Father, we lift up Kenya right now before you, Father, as a church. Lord, we lift up every member of our churches this morning, God, that are going to vote tonight, which is tomorrow morning for us. Lord, we lift up Pastor Safari God, we lift up Pastor Jacob, God. We lift up all of our pastors in Nairobi. And we lift up the whole country of Kenya this morning, God. Lord, that your will would be done and that your blood, Father, would cover every person in that country. We come against the spirit of violence right now. We come against the spirit of witchcraft. We come against the spirit of sorcery right now. And Lord, we declare that greater is he that is in us than the devil that is in this world this morning. And we pray blessings and victory over that country, Lord, that whatever decision is made for a president, God, that it would take that country in the direction of salvation, Father. Lord, that every tongue and every tribe would call on the name of Jesus this morning, Father. Lord, we lift this up to you by faith this morning, and we do not doubt right now, God. We know that you're above and beyond everything we could ask or think, Father. We thank you for seeing these prayers and the hearts of our special, precious Kenyan people here this morning, God. We lift them up right now and give you glory in advance for what you're going to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Amen. It's good to go to the Lord in prayer. I believe that prayer just did something. Amen. Those Kenyans are going to feel it. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. A kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom of children while they drew. She would occasionally walk around to see children's artwork, and as she got to one little girl who was working diligently, and she said, what are you drawing? And the girl replied, I'm drawing God. And the teacher paused and said, but no one knows what God looks like. And without missing a beat or looking up from her drawing, she continued to draw and said, they will in a minute. Amen. Just know what they're doing, don't they? Psalm 77, if you'd open your Bibles. I want to show you some scripture this morning, amen, quite a bit of scripture, so get your Bibles ready, your fingers stretched out this morning, nice and warm so we can see the word of God. 
Say amen when you get there. Psalm 77. Then we're going to go to Psalms 34. And then we're going to end up in the New Testament. Psalm 77. How many know we live in a hard world? And how many know trusting God in this hard world is a task? Amen? God asks us to trust him and, and, and keep our eyes on him. And Church, we can never take our eyes off Jesus. Amen? We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. But this world will pull on us. This world will get us off of our focus of where our eyes should be, which is on our Lord and our Savior this morning. And I, by the time we're done, I trust and believe that you're going to walk out of here with more trust than you've ever had in Jesus. Amen? More trust in who he is in your life and what he can do in your life. But Psalm 77, we're going to read, and David is such an awesome example of what we could go, be going through. David went through just about every emotion you could go through as a human being. He was on top and he was on the bottom. He was in victory and he was in defeat. He was small and he was large. He did everything you can think of. He had a lot and he had a little. He was at times pursuing and defeating and other times running for his life. And he in the Psalms, if you don't read the Psalms, church, start to read the Psalms. You need to get some Psalms in you every morning. Amen? And some Proverbs in you. But David is, is showing our emotions. You know, it's funny sometimes we think God doesn't understand us and we don't understand God and we don't, he don't know what we're going through. If you begin to read the Psalms, you'll see that he was having the same emotional roller coaster we have. Up and down. Up and down. High and low. Full of faith. Full of doubt. Shows the humanity of who we are. And that's what the Bible does this morning. The Bible shows us that we're in good company. We're not alone. So look at his cry out in Psalm 77. He says, I cried out to God, verse 1, with my voice. To God with my voice. And he gave ear to me. Can you say amen? In the day of trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God. Today, there's a lot of people not remembering God. And was troubled. So you can still have some trouble, even though you're remembering God. I complained. What? He complained. And my spirit was overwhelmed. Have you been there? Overwhelmed. So you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Have you been there? I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate with my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. When will the Lord cast off forever? He's showing emotions. And will he be favorable no more? Have you ever felt like that? His, has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his Tender mercies. Man, there's some serious emotions going on there, isn't it? You know, sometimes when we get down, and you can stop reading for a second. We're going to go to Psalms 34, if you don't mind. Go, ahead and go over to Psalms 34. When we get down, church, we got to realize that it's not a bad thing. Say amen. It's not a bad thing. You just don't want to stay down. That's the key. 
Don't, a lot of times when we get down, I could guarantee you this morning, I know there's a lot of people out of town. It's one of those weeks where it's like phone call after phone call, text after text. I'm going to be out of town. I wondered if we were going to have anybody here this morning. Amen. But there's a lot of people out of town. I guess they're taking spring break early, maybe. But sometimes it just accumulates and there's a lot of people missing. But I guarantee you there's some people missing this morning that decided to stay in bed. Decided just, I'm, I'm going too, too much. Or, or maybe they've been staying in bed for a while. I'm not talking about sickness, just discouraged and down. That's where they lost the battle. Amen? Pray they get out of it and come to the next service. But a lot of times, that feeling is okay. The feeling is normal. Amen? You've, you've heard that joke before of the lady. I've said it many times when she goes in and tries to wake up her husband and keeps saying, get up, get up. And he goes, I don't want to get up. Get up, get up. And he just keeps nagging him. He says, give me two reasons to get up. She says, number one, you're the pastor. Number two, it's Sunday. Everybody feels like that a lot of times. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do God's thing. I don't want to be encouraged because we're down. But God just says, don't stay there. David's showing us an emotion here. And he's showing us that he was feeling overwhelmed. He was feeling discouraged. He was feeling like, where is God? And where's he been? And where's he going to be? And is he ever going to come back? And he's showing true emotions but then something comes upon him, and I could have read Psalm 77, but I want to go over to Psalms 34, and look what he says here, and let's start in verse 1 again. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul, this is the same David, shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he what? Heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. And look at this, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Look at the person next to you and say, you are blessed this morning if you trust in him. Come on. You're blessed this morning if you trust in God. Amen. Trusting is not easy, church. You know why it's so hard to trust God? Because we, because man fails us. Right? Man fails us. And so we get it twisted and a lot of times we relate God to people. And that's where we mess up because God is not people. God is God. But we get our eyes on people. And we focus on what people have or haven't done to us. Aren't we people that are always looking at what have you done for me lately? Right? That's who we are as people. We're always looking at, well, you haven't done anything for me lately, amen? That's just human nature. And God is not a God like that. God is always doing stuff for us. God is always working on our behalf. Now I want you to go over to the New Testament to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. So the title is Trusting God in This Hard World. And if you don't live in the hard world... I want to come live in yours. Show me how to get there. How many like to live in a world that's not hard? Because see, as we go to read Mark 5 this morning, there's the, the, one of the biggest 
failures people have and don't make it in God, in Christ, is that they somehow, somewhere along the way, got some kind of teaching that Christianity was easy. Somewhere along the way, I don't know who taught it or who was lying or what, or what scriptures they used, but you're not going to find in the scriptures that being a Christian is easy. Matter of fact, it's hard. Matter of fact, Jesus said that the way to destruction is very wide and broad, and lots of people find it. It's easy to find the road to destruction, but he says the way to eternal life is narrow. And he even said few people find it. Or you could say this morning, few people stay on the straight and narrow. Right? Because you can get on the straight and narrow, but you have to stay on the straight and narrow. If you get off the straight and narrow onto the broad again, where's the broad going? Destruction. Where's the broad going? Death. Amen? And so we're in this real world, and it's tough, but God says, I want you to trust me. And so then, before we read Mark 5, I want to read a story and pull some things out of it. Before we do that, I want you to remember what the same Psalms we just read a little further down says, and many of you will know this, and this is something you need to remember every time you're struggling. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. What do you do with that? That's a fact. I'm the kind of person that says, tell me like it is. I need to know, amen. That's a fact. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's just something, you got to get that in your spirit. If you're going to make it for God, you got to realize you're going to have battles. There'll be times your faith is shook. There'll be times you're having a hard time trusting the Lord like David was. And then he says in that same verse, but the Lord delivers him out of them, what? All. The Lord delivers them out of them all. So many are the afflictions, but many are the deliverances. Many are the problems, but many are the victories. And any problem you're dealing with this morning, church, family, marital, financial, spiritual, physical, mental, anything, whatever you're dealing with, it is an affliction, it is a problem, but God's got the answer this morning. God's got the answer this morning. And all he needs you to do is trust in him. All he needs you to do is put your faith in him. All he needs you to do is look upon him. He says, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen? If I be lifted up. We need to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? When we praise the Lord and lift our hands, we're saying, God, I know my situation is bad this morning, but I trust you and I love you and I praise you and I worship you in the midst of the storm. Amen? We're singing a lot of songs out of the Psalms that David sang when he was being pursued by, by Saul and his life was in danger. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. How I many know a true Christian learns to bless the Lord at all times and to trust the Lord at all times? And when your trust gets shook, you get back in it again and say, God, in this hard world, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, God. There's something powerful that comes upon a believer that says, God, I don't care what I'm going through. I'm going to trust you because trust is connected to faith and faith pleases God. When you're trusting, you're activating actively, daily, your faith. Because it takes faith to trust, right? Faith and trust go hand in hand. 
Just like fear and doubt go hand in hand. And so if you're trusting this morning, you're pleasing the Lord. And you know what trust is? Trust is not seeing everything clearly. If, if, if everything was in front of you and you could see everything worked out, you wouldn't have to trust. Trusting is, is believing by faith and not by sight. So I want to go to the book of Mark, chapter 5, and I want to pull some things out of a story that we've all read and probably all heard. But I think it's a powerful truth here this morning. As we start in chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus is doing what he did and what he does, which was healing people. And it says in verse 21, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she would be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent everything she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes I will be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned and said, who touched me? Stop reading for a second. I want you to see here in this story something very very many things very powerful, but first and foremost, that God is not a respecter of persons. He, he heard the need of Jairus, which was a great leader in the synagogue. He was a man of great power. He was somebody who had a lot of influence. He was somebody that probably had a, a flow of money, probably lived in a nice house, was probably well-dressed. He was somebody who would be middle or upper class. And God gets his, he gets Jesus' attention, and Jesus turns to him and says, I'll follow him. I'm going to go heal your daughter. And then along the way, all of a sudden we see that he doesn't just go to the wealthy, but along comes somebody who is an outcast. A lot of times when you read this story, you don't realize that this woman who came was an outcast because in the Levitical law, she was unclean. She had an issue of blood. That was a big deal back then, a big, big deal. She was not allowed to be in the presence of other people. She was an outcast. Yet Jesus felt her need and healed her body, and she pushed her way to him, and we see that God heals the rich and God heals the poor. God helps the, the rich and God helps the poor. God helps the up and God helps the out. There's nobody that can't come to Jesus if they come by faith. Anybody. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jews, Gentiles, atheists, anybody, amen? This morning we know it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship with Jesus. All kinds of religions exist today, but if they would just call on Jesus, they would be saved. 
Amen. And so we see here a great situation where this man, I want you to put yourself, and you may be there this morning in the position of, of Jairus. Maybe you don't have a sick child, but you're in a desperate situation. You're in a desperate place in your life. And you need a miracle today. Not tomorrow, not next week, but right now. You need a miracle now. Have you ever been in that place? God, I need a miracle now. I can't wait till tomorrow. I need a miracle today. Jairus is coming to, to Jesus and realized that he's a man of the synagogue, so today he would be somebody considered just religious. We know people like that. They know of God, but they don't know God. They believe in God, but they don't know God. They have what the Bible says is a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Sometimes not on purpose, they just don't know it. They've never had an experience with God. They've never had a, 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 a touch from God. They've never felt the master's hand before. And so they're just religious and they're just doing what they've been told to do. Right? And we, we are all guilty of that in a sense where we try to come to God by what we've learned and we've always got to have understanding of certain principles, but God wants us to come to him with an open and clean and honest and humble heart. That's how you get to God's heart, is being real. So this man is religious, but now there's a need. This represents a lot of people who run to God when there's a need. They run to God when there's a need. And people are in diet. That's why the church is so important this morning, church, that we would exist so people could run to the church and hear a message. So that we could exist so people could come and be healed. We, we've got to work on that and continue to be the place that someone knows, hey, if you've got a need, you can get healed in that place. If your marriage is messed up, you can be restored in that place. If, if you're in trouble, they'll, God will help you in that place. Amen? We've got to be a place that's ready and willing to help people, especially the ones that are sick. So he's, he's in a need, and all of a sudden he says, I've got to get my daughter to this man because I've heard that he heals. I've heard. He wasn't healing right there in his synagogue, but he had heard of different things that Jesus has done. And so he says, I've got to get to her. And when he gets to her, I, I, I can imagine he probably had a, a nice, dignified idea of what he was going to say. He was probably going to say, sir, uh, uh, nice to meet you. My name is Jairus. I, I wanted to ask you very humbly and kindly if you could please consider coming to my house because my daughter is, he probably had this whole speech together. He's probably reciting it as he's on his way. But how many know when you have a great need, dignity goes out the door? And when he got to Jesus, he says he fell. He, he cried out. He, 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 he humbled himself quickly and was just like, Jesus, come to my house. My daughter's dying. Place of desperation where he said, I, I'm sick and tired of my daughter being sick and tired. And if God, if you don't do something today, she's going to die. She's on her deathbed. The doctors had already come. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, I've tried everything, but it's not working. And you're ready to give up and you're ready to quit. This guy had tried everything. Everything. There was nothing to be done. The world will tell you, the world will tell you it's over. The world will tell you there's no hope. The world will tell you you're lost. 
The world will tell you you can't change. The world will tell you you've got mental problems. The world will tell you this and that and all these different things. But how many know that there's a word from the Lord? He has the last say. So this man comes to Jesus, and you can imagine the emotions. How many have ever had a sick child? How many have ever had a really sick child? It doesn't matter if they're really sick or sick. It's the same. <laughs> a cold, a fever, ache, it doesn't matter. When your kids, are, there's nothing more miserable than having your children sick. So you can imagine the desperation of this man. And so he comes, and he says what he says, and we see in the scriptures here that Jesus says, what does he say? He followed him. So Jesus was doing what he was doing. He, he, something caught his attention. I want you to get this this morning. You can catch God's attention by your faith, by your trust. Something caught Jesus' attention, enough for him to be pulled away from the multitude that was in that place and say, I'm going to follow him. He began to follow Jairus. They were on their way to Jairus' house. And what was Jesus going to do? He was going to heal his daughter. Why? Because he had already said, the man had already expressed faith and said, Jesus, if you'll come, my daughter will be healed. That's all Jesus needed. Jesus didn't have to say a prayer. All he looks for this morning is your faith. And when you, when you release faith and trust, he begins to move. Amen. But I'm going to show you something right here that's very important because where we fail is when we trust and have faith and then we don't see the immediate rea reaction. Here's where the battle's lost. Here's where the battle's lost. A message gets preached. The powerful prayer. Something happens. You're, you, you just have something come upon you in your spirit, in your car, whatever. This faith comes and something rises up in you. You say, God, I believe. And faith leaves you. And you say, I know this situation's changed. And you pray and God moves. And you feel it. And you sense it. And you're excited. And then the enemy comes. And pops your bubble. And just as quickly as you had faith, Fear and doubt comes in. Why? Because it didn't happen right away. Because it didn't happen just like you wanted it to happen. I sent out that scripture this morning. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Christian, get that in your head. God is not going to move the way you want him to move. He's God. He's going to move like he wants to move, and you've got to figure out how to make him move because he's not going to do things your way. He's saying, trust me and obey. So are you with me? This guy begins to follow. He's, his faith is high. He knows, okay, I've got this man's attention, and I've heard he heals, and I've heard he delivers, and he's behind me. He's on, we're on our way. He's looking back. He's excited. He's thinking, yes, 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 I did it. You know there was doubt going, not doubt that he could heal, but doubt that he'd get to him. Doubt that he could get his attention. He got his attention, and now he's following him. And then the multitude gets around him closer, and then the other miracle happens. The lady comes. How many times have you been trying to get to God, and you just feel like he just turned and went somewhere else? You thought he was right there, and then you look back, and you don't see him anymore. God, where'd you go? David was saying that in Psalm 77. Will you ever come back? Have you forever left me? Come on, have you been there? Where you at, God? 
You were here a second ago. I heard your voice. Where are you now? And this lady comes and touches his hand, and then we hear the other miracle. But we never put these two together of what's going on here and the emotions that are happening. She touches his garment. He stops. What do you think Jairus began to think when she stopped, when Jesus stopped? There was his... Put yourself in his feet, in his shoes. He's walking. Jesus is following him. His, his excitement is big. Now somebody else gets his attention. And we don't even know if when Jairus got Jesus' attention, if Jairus took the attention away from somebody else. Yeah. Yes, of course he did. There was a multitude. And they were all there because they had needs. Sometimes we think, man, there's, too, there's so many people in this church. How, how am I going to get my need met? Because God is a big God. All present, all powerful, and all knowing. He's sitting next to you, and he's sitting next to you, and he's sitting next to you, and he's sitting next, he's all over the place. He's not too busy. But we get caught up in what we see. And Jesus says, walk by faith, not by sight, because your sight will mess you up. Christians that are in victory have learned to walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. And so now the lady touches him. He stops. Jairus says, oh, God. No, my, my, my daughter. No, you come on, Jesus. He's, 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 he's upset. Jesus, you were following me. Stop, hold on. Virtue's gone out of me. Somebody touched me. The disciples, yeah, Jesus, there's people all, no, somebody else touched me with faith. And he stops. Are you seeing the predicament? Now, he knows there's not a lot of time. He knows he still has to walk there. The last thing Jairus heard when he left his house was, your daughter is going to die. There's nothing else we can do for her. Time is short. And we're not in the time of essence we are today. We can jump in a car and race somewhere. I'll never forget how many times, and I love Costa Rica. Amen? You know that. I spent half my life there. My daughter was born there. My, they learned Spanish there. My wife's from there. But the traffic is crazy. As I know it is in Kenya. As I know it is all around the world. If you think traffic's bad here, get out of here and go to another country. And you will thank the Lord for our order. Can you say amen? Those that have been in another country. Order where they stay in the lines and police pull you over and amen. Mexico, all over. Everywhere I've gone, I have to remind myself, Lord, thank you for the order here. This, you don't know what bad traffic is. And I always remember, we lived only 10 miles from the church, but it would take us 45 minutes to get to church. 10 miles. That would take five minutes here, 10 minutes. Matter of fact, in Texas, we don't even talk about how distances. We talk about time. I'm 20 minutes away. I'm 30 minutes from work. I'm, we don't even say miles. Over there, you say time. But you want to do miles. You say 45 minutes. Oh, man, you live far. No, I live across the street. Amen. <laughs> Took me that long to get here. And I remember all these times we'd be stuck in this traffic, and I'm putting myself in Jairus' understanding here, and I thought, God... I, don't ever let me have to be in an ambulance here. Please. 
We'd be in this traffic that was not moving, people honking, no one going anywhere, and I would see an ambulance out of the back. Oh my gosh, compassion flooded my heart. I wish I could have done something to park the cars. I thought, God, if I'm ever in that ambulance, I'm dead. I'm, I don't know if these people, I don't know what the percentage of people make it to the hospital alive. Amen. So I'm thinking right now, that's what it was like with Jairus. He is trying to get to his daughter and there's people everywhere. And now the emotional roller coasters, yes, Jesus is going to follow me. And, and, and we're moving. You know, it's like when you're in traffic and it begins to move. You're like, okay, I am going to make it. And then it stops again. He's, he's excited. God is going to touch my child. And bam, everybody stops again. Emotional roller coaster that this man is going through. He knows God has the power to heal. He had heard how he had healed the withered hand of a man. He had heard how he had gone into, in this same chapter, in the Gadarenes and healed a demon-possessed man with 2,000 demons. Matter of fact, he had just healed that man as he was heading over to where he is now. He had heard how Jesus had gone in and miraculously turned water into wine. He had heard of all these miracles, and now he's thinking, my chance to get a miracle is here, and this lady's messing it up. Why are we stopping, Jesus? Why are we stopping, Lord? But Jesus went with him. Then we see, as we continue in the story, as he begins to stop and minister to her, all these thoughts are going through his mind. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. This is a crazy fact. We have to learn to embrace and appreciate the interruptions that God puts in our life. We have to learn to appreciate and embrace the interruptions. You know why? Because you're going to have them. Mature Christians, as you continue to hear the word and grow in the Lord, you will realize that you have interruptions. If I were to ask anybody in here that has any time in the Lord, and it doesn't always have to be time, just any maturity in the Lord, you would, you would say and agree with me that you've realized that life has interruptions. And many, many times they're God interruptions. They're God allowing us to be interrupted. They're God allowing things to happen because he wants us to what? Trust him. If he's always got our hand, if we're always seeing him, if he's always by our side, then we don't have to trust him. So learn to embrace and appreciate the interruptions in your life. Now we have to understand Jairus is not a real believer yet. We don't know, we know he's the leader in the synagogue, but we also know, remember, that a lot of times Jesus was rebuking those people. So we don't really know where their hearts were. I'm sure there were some people in the synagogue whose hearts were right, and they were living the law right, and they were saved, and they were doing great. But we also know there was a lot of them that he rebuked and said, you try to keep your outside clean, but your inside's dirty. You try to dress nice on the outside, but you're wicked. So we know that there was issues with them. We don't know where Jairus' heart was other than the fact that he had compassion for his daughter. And he didn't want her to die. And so this man is saying, I'm being interrupted, but he didn't obviously know that he had to learn how to you know, embrace that. 
So before I go forward, I want you to write a few more things down here. And now we're going to see what happens. We saw, we saw Jesus get touched by the lady. And what happened to the lady? She got healed. That issue of blood dried up immediately. And she was healed immediately. And she knew she was healed. And, 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 and so this, this, this crazy thing is happening. This lady is stealing Jairus' daughter's healing, he thinks. The, the jealousy game, man, there's another emotion. Why do, they, why do they always get the blessing? Why do they always get healed? Why, how come that person's, and we start looking at the other people. Another thing you've got to learn as a Christian is that this walk with God is you and him. You and him. That song, you alone. Amen? It's a great thing to be around other people. It's a great thing to be encouraged. But you've got to learn to encourage yourself. And trust the Lord. So he, his faith is being attacked. And now, with all the doubt that's going on, the lady gets healed. And you look what happens in 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher any further. Stop right there in 35. Emotions. How many are there with Jairus right now? Dead. Every emotion he had is now confirmed. My daughter was going to be healed. Somebody else got my daughter's healing. Somebody else got it. She's healed. My daughter's not. He's probably thinking, this lady's lived a long life, blah, blah, blah. My daughter's young. Why? Why? All these questions. How many know we got lots of questions? We don't understand. Your daughter's dead. When, what, what do we do this morning when, when, when our situation goes from bad to worse? What do we do when our marriage just seems to get from bad to worse? What do we do when it seems like our finances just go from bad to worse or our job just keeps getting bad to worse or our children, they just go from bad to worse? All these things, what do we do when all those things happen? When our health seems to go from bad to worse? What do we do? Trust. What, what else can you do? We do what we do. And there's a whole lot of things we do, right? And you all, we all have different things we do. But the one thing we need to do is trust. Trust. And Jesus is going to show us this in a second. But before we get there, I want you to write a few things down that you must do in a crisis. Number one, you've got to seek help. Amen. Seek God. Seek help. Seek him. Seek the Lord. Jairus did that. He said, if my daughter's sick, I'm going to the throne. He was a living throne at that moment, but I'm going to the throne. Number two, you've got to humble yourself. Jairus had to humble himself in this situation. Number three, Believe. Because listen, belief has to come before trust. You have to believe in something before you can trust it. Amen? You believe in Jesus, now you trust Jesus. 
Can't trust in Jesus before you believe in him. You've got to believe, and then you trust. So then we see here, ending up this story, look at verse 36. As Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted, what does it say? No one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother James. Remember we talked about that the other night, God's chosen people because he knew they had faith. Get people around you that know how to pray. Get people around you that don't have doubt. When you need a miracle, don't call up those people that always are negative. When you need a miracle, don't call someone up that's going to say, yeah, well, let's pray that he just goes home peacefully. When you need a miracle, you better call somebody up who knows how to pray. And Jesus said, hey, the rest of you disciples, I'm sorry, you, are not, you have not shown. He didn't say all this. I'm telling you what he was saying. He said, you all haven't shown me your faith. These three men right here, come with me, because I know they got faith. Right? Because what does doubt do? Doubt kills. Remember the story I read on Wednesday night, Smith Bigglesworth? Those people that came in and did the death penalty on the person, and he couldn't wait for them to get done praying so he could pray the prayer of life. Then he raised that woman up off the bed alive Jesus is saying hey I'm going to go finish the work because I said I would but I need some people to go with me that have faith the rest of y'all stay here and he says they got to the house of the rule of the synagogue and saw a lot of people a lot of uh, 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 uproar and those who wept and wailed loudly and when he came in see this has gotten from bad to worse now and when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. When a situation seems dead to us, it's not dead to God. And we need to realize this morning that Jesus doesn't do funerals. Come on. Jesus doesn't do funerals. He's the way, the truth and the life. There's no death in Jesus Christ. He cannot be around death and death stay dead. If you will get Jesus in your situation this morning and have faith and believe, he can raise your dead situation to life. There's nothing that will stay dead if you trust and believe in the Lord. Nothing can stay dead around Jesus. Jesus does not do funerals. And if you don't believe that, there was another story in Luke 7 where Jesus is walking along and there's a funeral procession going by and a widow is walking with her dead son in the casket. We understand today not as much as they did back then because of how things are set up. But when a widow lost her only son, a widow means there was no husband around, which means there was no provider. Women didn't work back then. They were the only providers. The man was gone. And the only provision that woman had was her son. And now he's dead. That means no provision. And he sees that lady. And he walks over, touches the boy's hand, and the boy jumps up out of the casket alive. Jesus doesn't do funerals. Next time your situation looks dead, speak to it and say, my Jesus does not do funerals. My Jesus is alive, amen? Speak to it. Speak to that situation. 
I'm, I don't care if my daughter's dead. Jesus said she's just asleep. And they laughed at him. They laughed at him, verse 40, to scorn. They made, they made, they made an uproar. And then what did Jesus do? Get out of here, you faithless people. He told them, get out. He said, when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother. of the, I've, been, I've been in hospital rooms before. And sometimes I don't have the boldness to do it, but I wish people would leave because they don't have faith. And you can't pray for somebody in a room where there's no faith. I like to get that person all by myself, alone, where I can speak life into them without all the negativity around. Jesus did the same thing. He said, y'all, get out. You think she's dead? Get out. I can't have you here. Come on. Sometimes, church, you need to get the people out around you that are negative and say, hey, I can't hear that no more. I can't talk to you no more. I can't listen to you. No, I can't hang out with you no more. You bring me down. I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing in God. I'm believing he's going to turn my marriage around. Don't tell me to get divorced. I, I believe that God's going to turn my finances around. Don't tell me to file bankruptcy. I believe God's doing a miracle in my body. Don't tell me to run to the doctor. God's healing me. Come on, you got to get some people around you that are going to say, hey, Jesus can and Jesus will and Jesus does. And he's more willing to heal than we are to ask. But we've just got to trust him. We've just got to trust him. He gets him out. He, he prays. We know the story. He, she gets up. Speaks in Hebrew. Little girl, I say to you, arise. She immediately rises. She was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. I'm going to ask the musicians to come this morning. Trust, church. Trust in a hard world. Trust. Trust. Do you understand the power of the word of God this morning? Do you understand what we just read? It's for your life, in my life, in my situation, in your situation. And God does not love the people in the Bible more than he loves us. He loves us. And he's able. And he wants to heal. And he wants to deliver. And you might look at your situation this morning and say, it's dead. He took too long. He's too busy with somebody else. But I see in this story, he's not too busy. He's just having an interruption in your life so you'll learn to trust him. Amen. I'm going to read you or tell you a quick story. It was interesting. Paul Platt sent this to me, and I've heard it before, but it just happened to be perfect for this week. And there's an old rite of passage, and I want you to just finish with this visual this morning for your life. I want you to put yourself in this situation. Trusting the Lord is, is, is walking again by faith and not by sight. Whatever you're going through right now, if I had you come up with the microphone and say, what are you going through? There'd be this and there'd be that. and all these. We're all going through things, all of us, all the time. All the time, all going through things. And, and all God is asking us to do is trust Him. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that faith moves the hand of God? And God is just wanting us to trust Him, just like a parent wants their child to trust them. Well, in this Indian, Cherokee Indian rite of passage, I may have even said it before, but it's a great picture. 
you know, a lot of tribes around the world and customs. And, you know, we have them here. We just don't have names on them. There's a lot of things parents do with their kids. And a lot of cultures have things they'll do to make a man a man. Pastor Safari's talked before about how they'll have to go out and face a lion in Africa. There's all kinds of different things that people do. Well, the Cherokee Indians have a thing called the rite of passage for a boy that's going into his teenage years. And they want to prove that he's a man. So they have to take him out into the forest, into the woods, way out in the middle of nowhere where no one's around. And they sit him down on a tree stump and the father leads him out with a couple other men. And they sit him on a tree stump and they blindfold him. And then they're not allowed to talk about their, their, their night. They're not allowed to talk about what's gone on. They're not allowed to do anything. If they do, it ruins their manhood. And so they, they, they take him out, they blindfold him. The father puts it on and leaves him. And they all go back to, to where they came from. And all night, from a certain night at night until dawn, when the sun breaks the, the light through his eyes on his blindfold, he is not allowed to take that blindfold off. If he takes it off, he is not a man. He's listening to all the noises around him at night. You can imagine in the forest, in the woods. He's listening to the animals make noise. He's listening to things move around him. He's listening to all these things at night. And he's got to stay there and trust that he's going to make it through the night with a blindfold on. So the whole night goes through, and I could talk about that forever, and you can imagine how scary that would be if you've ever been in a place of any kind of darkness. It's just a young boy. And all night he's hearing this crazy stuff. Morning comes, sun hits the eyes. And the boy thinks, God, I made it. He takes off his blindfold. And guess what? His father's sitting right in front of him. He never left. His father never leaves him. No one knows that. No one knows that in the rite of passage. It wouldn't be scary if he knew it was there. But when he took off that blindfold, his son was just sitting right in front of him and he never left him. That is exactly how our lives are. Many times we have the blindfold of life on us and we think that God has left us and we think we're all alone and we think nobody understands what we're going through. We can't see him, we can't feel him, we can't touch him. But the truth is, the Bible says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, I will, though I am with you, what? Even to the ends of the earth. Jesus never leaves us. He's always right there. He's always right there. And if we'll just remember that next time we're battling something. We may not see him, we may not feel him, and that's where faith comes in. How many know it's easy to trust and believe when you feel the presence of God? Feelings are great. Feelings are great, but don't live your life by your feelings because feelings are fickle. It's those moments when nothing seems to be right that you could speak a word of faith and say, God, I trust you. Something can come over you and you're going to feel so good to know that you said those words and you meant it and you know he's there. And you know what? If you've had experience with this before, when you do that, he always shows up. You know, in some way, he shows you he was there. There's times I get discouraged and, so, and God will just send me the, the smallest little thing and I'll say, okay, that was it. Thank you, God. The smallest little thing. Okay, God. Amen? And it, and it gives you the gas to go into the next week. 
Let's pray this morning. Trusting God in a hard world.